Hello. Sue, what do we do? What do we do? I don't even know how to even introduce this one. I mean, I know. it's like a blast from the past, but like a leap into the future. And there's like, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking like the catching up side of this, but I'm really looking forward to getting into like some of the subject matter we're going to be talking about. Yes. This is so up my alley. <laughs> so Sue, you know what? You do the intros because I'm just going to sit over here and kind of geek out and like, remember when. <laughs> remember when <laughs> well for our first interview since 2019 tim and i have the illustrious and prolific duo of april mullen and tim doran of wango films we've been talking to you guys well okay we've been talking to you guys since before we were mind rails really yeah um yeah. but then i guess dead before dawn probably would be our intro as mind rails to be yeah yeah because we did that big uh, breakfast broadcast from france <laughs> yeah yeah Niagara where they Falls. asked us to leave yeah. afterwards yeah <laughs> but we went to way 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 before back when we were rock paper scissors That's talking right. on the streets is when we met soon yeah yeah at the artful dodger <laughs> with guy lavely yeah. because he was going to bring you to the edmonton film oh, festival yeah, yeah man we're talking like 2000 and <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. it's yeah, in the first, the first sets of the 2000s when there were still zeros between the two <laughs> and the number that it was yeah yeah the decade that my brain just skips over when i think about how long ago things yeah. were right yeah oh yeah. anyway oh yeah. and april just as an aside i've been watching spencer sisters uh religiously as well so i've been enjoying that as well you know the things you do anyhow simulant is what we're here to talk about today mm -hmm. very exciting i mean do we do we jump right into like the heavy heavy stuff because i want to talk about the heavy heavy stuff i think somebody should give a brief synopsis first and then right <laughs> so the people know what to expect come <laughs> april 7th i believe is the release date in canada well you do it then. in canada who Tim's wants to give it Tim, explain the scenario. Okay. Yeah. So simulant. Simulant is set in a near future, a future very similar to ours. <laughs> um, but in this future, uh, there are things known as simulants, which are AI replicas of uh, humans. So this is in a near future that presupposes that AI technology has moved even further than where we are today. And uh, you can have these, uh, these simulants come into your home and you can upload your thoughts and your memories and all, all that sort of stuff into them. And they can basically replace loved ones that you perhaps lose or, or be a partner or many, many, many different things. So um, simulant sort of takes just sort of a slice of life um, circumstance from that world and explores a bunch of different um, people that live in this near future world uh, where all their lives sort of come together and coalesce and end up sort of <laughs> crossing over um, and asks a lot of uh, interesting and difficult questions uh, along the way. Uh, and the film stars Sam Worthington and Simu Liu and uh, Robbie Amell and Jordana Brewster and Alicia Sanz and was directed by uh, yours truly, April Mullen, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that's it, right? I mean, you're talking about near future stuff and even from the from the from the like well brief synopsis you've given me it sounds like 
Yeah, well, like you said, a slice of life, but it also sounds like you're really tackling some of these highbrow science fiction ideals, like, uh, well, and more importantly, getting that human condition, which is what sci-fi is really good about dealing with, because um, Jordana Brewster's character, I believe, loses her partner and then th wants to install, like, his memories into the simulant. So you're talking about how humans deal with grief, um, how, how, you know, do we move on from losing someone or do we just go on with somebody else who looks and sounds like someone and the whole idea of, you know, artificial slash manufactured intelligence, how that's going to play into our lives. I mean, we are one step away from the big singularity that they keep talking about. So, I mean, it's so wow. close. And the other big theme, which we've been like talking a lot about um, lately, April and I is the idea of love. And we've been reading some different things lately on like, what is love and is love truly inherent to like, as humans, are we born and inherently we just know and understand how to love or is love more of a, a learned um, social sort of uh, situation? And if that is true and say we do, you know, suppose that love is that, is it then feasible that like artificial intelligence could technically learn to love? So there's all these other interesting like moral dilemmas that come into it as well. Yeah, it's it's so weird. And, it's, and it's messy. So weird. <laughs> it's and messy. messy. I think at the, yeah. of, at the end of the film, with audience members, the sort of thinking a lot of different things in terms of like, what does the future look like? Will I be on board with AI? Am I in support or am I going to run off into the woods and run away from it all? I feel like it leaves you with the questions at the end of the film. And you know, you're really rooting for these characters. You think compassion for both are simulate. Evan, and you feel compassion for the art reading widow. You feel compassion all around for Smooth's character and Sam's character. And it's sort of, it really is kind of confusing at the end of the day. Um, and I think people will ask themselves questions like, why was I rooting for this when this turn of events, the end of the film really takes a big spin without the, you know, giving them spoilers or anything? Um, but I think it'll leave everybody with, you know, a very big question mark of where they stand in the, uh, when there's, uh, you know, a line well, that's that's the beauty of like sci-fi, though, is that you can ask those big questions, and then yeah. afterwards, you know, even even crappy B movie sci-fi from like the seventies and eighties, you can walk away and then have these big discussions afterwards. And like like you said, man, AI, it's it's we're right there on the tip of something big coming, and and how are we as a species gonna react to that? Yeah. I mean, aren't they already talking about letting AI write scripts <laughs> and just yeah, like yeah. give up writers altogether? I mean, <laughs> this is a crazy thing on this topic. Like, think about this. So this idea for Simulant has, we've been, we developed it for a while. And then we, we actually shot another film in between like the first like draft of the script we have of this. And then actually being like, it's time for us to go. We're going to make this movie. So let's say we really picked this up and started running with it in like, say, 20. 20. Um, even then, <laughs> until now, we were talking about stuff, but chat GPT wasn't a thing yet. Like all these things weren't a thing. Like even when we were filming last year, all the AI advancements weren't a thing. And now it's, it's insane actually in the timing of this film being released and stuff is everything is so exponential. And so it's, it's just the growth pattern now in the AI world is so exponential. We're seeing new things like this, I'm sure if someone watched what we're talking about here today in like six months, we're going to sound like geezers 
talking about <laughs> printing presses. You know, it's 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 pretty dramatic how insanely fast it's moving now. Wow. But it's becoming self aware. That's why. <laughs> mm, that's just terrifying. Um, let's talk about the production side for a second, because you guys, you guys have cut your teeth on so many different genres. You've done so yeah. much work. Um, you know, I, April, I looked at your IMDb the other day. I'm just like, <laughs> crap. I mean, you, you guys are everywhere. Just you're doing everything you can to get all the experiences you can and bring them together for each production. What were the big challenges for you guys on this? The biggest thing for us was it was sort of put on hold because of the pandemic. So we were going out to cast pre-COVID and then everything sort of stalled because nobody knew where the world would end up and if we would ever make movies again, never have the pleasure of being side by side again. So the whole thing was put on hold. Tim relentlessly kept going out to cast and never gave up and kept knocking down every door. Um, which ended up getting us a phenomenal cast. Sam Worthington, Sue Liu, Jordana Brewster, Robbie Amal. Um, the list goes on. I'm so excited about the cast we did yet, but we did cast over the span of COVID, which was a bizarre thing to sort of um, try and understand when the government would lift things enough to go to camera. And then we actually got everything greenlit, got the financing together, which is a you know, mini miracle on its own. So, independent cinema and where we're at. And just the other pandemic to sort of decentralize where theaters would be and films would ever be seen in theaters again. And so we're off to start production and Omicron hit. So then when Omicron hit, our prep became remote. So all of like the VFX in the film and the design work of the world building, everything had to be remote. The keys was all remote done. Location scouting was just too minimal, you know, just myself and a few other of us running around the city of Hamilton but everything sort of revolved a lot around what was happening in the world which was out of our control and then we should have in 22 days which is looking split always too fast a little too tight for comfort <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we uh somehow ended up where we are today <laughs> what about you yeah. Uh, I same thing. I mean, the real like a couple of things about this production. Again, it was like we really wanted to create this like lo-fi sci-fi feeling, almost hearkening back in a way to the 70s and 80s sci-fis that were like sort of even pre like Blade Runner and stuff where it just had like these cool themes with these low sort of like lots of smoke and atmospheric type of feel. So very generic, which we shot in Hamilton, which was perfect for that. Um, <laughs> Hamilton's a dirty lived in world. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, but that was it. So we knew we wanted to build that world. We knew all that stuff. We were coming up. and But again, for us, it was like, it's an ensemble piece um, in a lot of ways, right? There isn't necessarily one particular character. I, it sort of flips and, and to, you know, to make the film successful, we want to hopefully have people rooting for different characters at different times. So, oh, nice. So <laughs> making a film that, you know, basically has like five leads and, and then having to get them all at like a certain profile of performer and trying to balance all those schedules and stuff, that was always going to be finicky. But then when the whole Omicron thing hit and it was like, people were just getting COVID at that point. Like there was no no sense of safety even with stopping people from getting COVID. So we were like, <laughs> oh my God, like every day you were like, if one of these people gets Omicron or gets COVID and we get shut down, 
were sunk. So oh, it was like God. a very intense feeling over production. <laughs> um, so that was very scary. Um, that was probably the most challenging thing. And I think the other most challenging thing was just, again, the like making movies is something where you really want to feel that sense of camaraderie and be able to be really close with people. And like April said, doing the like having to be more remote on the on the prep side and remote on the shooting side, it just made it like you just feel like there's that you a little bit of this thing that you want more of. And we were able to get it and in the end, you know, and and come together as a team. But it just it, it was a it was just a very intense experience through prep and shooting of the film. I think that's the best way to put it. Just because there was so this extra like exponential factor with all of the the COVID stuff. Oh man, <laughs> the living bacteria. That's well. That is a big mug. Good stuff. <laughs> um were you like you guys tend to be involved in almost every aspect of of your productions from like the create from the script to you know the shooting um the production design just from a geeky point of view because i'm this kind of a nerd um you know because you guys have done so many films together and all this stuff are there any, any little like even just for yourselves are there any little Easter eggs you've slipped into simulant or like little nods to <laughs> reacted to that right away? <laughs> I saw an Easter egg that not an Easter egg, but kind of that made me happy was Mr. El Perro showing up in the trailer. Oh yeah. And Pedro has like a very big role again. He is like in it and he's in it to win it. Yeah. Uh, he is Did Tim have to knock down his door as well to get him cast into the film. <laughs> Oh, I'll yeah. tell There's you one no one thing. else that could look so good on camera. No, it's, it's true. <laughs> I feel bad for Simu having to like act next to that because who's going to be looking at him? No one. <laughs> he does this thing in the film. I'll tell you something. He did something that he's never done before and never done since. And I swear he knows when he is on camera. He behaves like an angel. He listens when every actor looks. He's like looking and looking. He's so perfect. When Robbie awakens from being unmasked, there's a moment where he sits on the couch and he's like laying down and the girl's there. He has his chin on his lap. And he goes like one side, one side, one side, one side. And I was like, what? You're hamming it up. You're trying to get a better close-up. Like you just totally milked the camera. And um, <laughs> it's an amazing moment. It's in the movie, but he, uh, I, I think his performance is even better than Robbie's. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Amazing, but there are some Easter eggs in terms of like let's get serious. The geeky factor. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you some really fun facts about the music because Tim and I are so obsessed with every aspect of the filmmaking. The music. If you look in, and, and listen to the evidence based, we created uh, pieces of music that seem human, like the piano. But in actual fact, everything we compose on their side is not playable by the left and right human. So it's all actually something that can be instructed. So it's AI, but it isn't. But we like <laughs> that's and awesome. then um I know geek factor. And then number <laughs> two on the other side of the music, we're with Sam and on the sort of like you know the AI side, there are sounds of like Tesla, 
battery engine, hard drives from the 80s, radio play, any kind of hard tech that we could find sound to, we pulled and layered it in like this is called super deep. We're getting really deep, but within the 500 layers of music and score that's on that side, it's all tech driven. So even when you hear like a little bit of Melissa and she turns her head, the soundscape of all of that, which is she's a service android, it's all very mechanical tech based, which is I think that's, that's just very a little cool. Easter egg that no one will ever know about, but us <laughs> and listens to this. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So and then, kind of how they did the uh, uh, lightsaber sounds in Star Wars, I think, was they took a bunch of, like, a hairdryer, like, just a bunch of different things and threw them all together and got that. <laughs> it's the best sound, right? It it's is. It's the best sound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then we're on the production side, April. I think there's, like, if you keep your eyes peeled, I mean, there's nothing too crazy in this one, but there are always, like, specifically certain props that will always make sure gets into every film. So if you ever, if there was ever going to be a retrospective of like all of our films down the line, there would be a number of like props that you could put together that have shown up in each and every production we've ever done. Um, I don't even remember. What about lamps? lamps. There's definitely lamps that we have in this like, we have a mango storage, um, storage, which has like, Costume pieces, lamps, so many lamps. They're obsessed with practicals. And they kind of find themselves into every film, too. Yeah. Like yeah. since Toss or something. Gravy Trace. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. go way back. Because is lamps there a hot dog mug. <laughs> yes. Oh, is there a hot dog mug? We're going to put that There's, on the hit list think, for the next film. I think there actually is a hot dog mug hidden somewhere. I can't remember because I remember we <laughs> talked about this. So. <laughs> I don't know if it actually made it on camera, but I do know there were a couple scenes where, and again, the thing is the landscape of this film is much different. It's very stark. It's not yeah. like our other films at mm. all, but there are a couple of scenes where in like the deep VG, we had, I had a couple like hot dog mugs that I ended up giving to the set department. But I don't know if they ever ended up on camera, but I do know that there were certain ones laid in because we still have boxes of freaking hot dog mugs. <laughs> Canada, if any of your fans write to you after this and ask for a hot dog mug from Dead Before Dawn that were specifically designed so the wiener hits your nose as you drink, we will happily give you at least 10 for fans who give you some sort of like, if they say, I really want a hot dog mug, we will send them over to you. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, as yeah. a giveaway. With a proof I've got one on my bookshelf still in the from... box. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Proof of yeah. purchase. Yeah. Yeah. They show their simulant ticket. They get out. Yeah. 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 Totally. Hundred percent. Got it. Maybe I'll get my ticket and then like pose with my hot dog mug and the ticket. Oh. And like, you want one of these? You gotta have one of these. <laughs> yeah. See? I see. I'm working. It. I'm working. <laughs> now, well, you guys talked about it. You talked about a lot of practical stuff. And of course, you also mentioned VFX in this. So where where do you guys find the balance? Because I know a lot of directors like to use a lot of practical and do as much practical as they can. At what point do you guys get together or April, is it your decision? You say, okay, you know what? We'll do this in VFX because it's just going to be easier, cheaper, better that way. I mean, where does that decision come in? I feel like at the beginning of the prep, we definitely had a lot of conversations of what would be our method, where we could do things um, practically versus VFX. And you try to strike, strike a balance where the balance uh, is usually down to money. So 
um, creative, I, I would say, comes first. And the most important pieces we make sure to be able to cover. And then we sort of do drafts, which are like stick people drawings, my little stick people drawings, of the ideal of what would happen when Evan's chest opens. And we reveal the octahedron, for instance. And um, then we do, you know, things also change. You know, there's these certain shots that we very, very, were very specifically designed a certain way uh, and were hand-drawn sort of to be, you know, the shot that Sam's walking on the street, we show a wide of the world and there's some, um, you know, there's some pieces of world built in there. Augmented buildings, we also have some holograms and extra drones and all of that. That is, you know, creative decisions we do way in prep. So they might change in design or if the lighting is a bit different or the building or the constructs, we want it to feel more real. Like it was really important for the team and myself for the the effects to just be like almost invisible in a lot of ways. Like we wanted the characters in the story to take the precedent and sort of the audience to come away with sort of this think piece and not be really distracted by the augmented world and not be distracted by the effects. I, I hope that it just sort of feels seamless and of the world and sort of bare bones stripped down and organic. Uh, that was the intention anyways, but there was so many discussions at the time <laughs> for all of the VFX. And then of course, when we finished, it was a very, very busy world because the entire world was trying to catch up from COVID. So every VFX artist on the planet was busy. And so our VFX got done by like two dozen VFX artists from all over the world. Literally, we spanned the globe to try and finish our film because everybody was busy, probably doing Avatar. So I should have said, hey, Sam, come for us. <laughs> um, we could have said, hey, James Cameron, can we borrow a few? We, you know, we borrowed Sam for 12 days, but can we also borrow a few VFX people? Right? But our guys were so amazing. We were so innovative. Like even our service androids, if you've seen by the trailer, the Lisa, we had a lot of back and forth, whether she was going to be all, you know, practical, or enhancements with the effects, but we really were, well, I was, and Chen too, super obsessed with the idea of making her a practical mold. So that was all prosthetics from top to bottom. Oh she had God. to sit in the chair for eight hours a day. There's just this little tiny augmentation on her face where you see sort of a metal line of what is her hard shell. Uh, and then her hair, of course, is hard. I mean, the design is really, uh, we're trying to be unique, show the audience is something they hadn't seen before. We didn't want to be too much you know, like Ex Machina or something like that. And we really wanted to have a voice on our own that was really similar. So those are the weird service androids and the most beautiful service androids I've ever seen uh, that we came up with, which are all practical, with just a little kind of like they have a Nexera brand that is augmented in, uh, was augmented in VFX post. That's just the light, but that's about it. It was all practical. So I think we're really happy with the concepts and how it all turned out. Yeah. The one thing overall is just it definitely was, again, our films usually like tend to be a more on the gritty side, the real world side, like conspiracy, that type of stuff. So this definitely for us was the most um, VFX heavy film we've ever done by a landslide. So, um, so it was, there were a lot of conversations um, leading up to prep on like what was going to be practical and what wasn't. And then, um, yeah, I think we did a great job and found a great balance. And then there were a couple props, like the main prop of, you know, Robbie's chest opening in that, that actually existed both as a practical 
and of the effects. And sometimes that would be both in a single shot, right? On how to like operate it and create the, the pieces and stuff. So um, yeah, it was a really fun, it was a really fun time. And again, trying to stay true to like the lo-fi sci-fi feel as well, which was something that was always like big for us. Um, so uh, all that stuff made for a really uh, enjoyable um, process actually on that side. So, but cool. yeah, again, busy, busy. <laughs> yeah, that is, in post. Yeah. yeah, everything we've seen from the trailer. I mean, it looks. I was I was looking at it going, okay, I know that's VFX, but damn, if it doesn't look so damn good. And so yeah. I just yeah. I didn't know where the balance was. And it sounds like you guys found it, which is amazing. And oh, good. I'm yeah. right there with you on the lo-fi sci-fi because some of the best stories are told that way, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we sort of figured for this film too, you know, because at the end of the day, um, you have. You know, if you want to go see the Blade Runners or the $250 million films, you're going to go see those. So we always wanted it to be like, well, what were we going to use that was going to be the greatest advantage for us and allow us to tell a story in a way that, say, like that $250 million film wouldn't tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the interesting thing about like elevated um, independent film is that you can find interesting ways into a story and it actually becomes like some stuff uh, becomes like a strength for you in your storytelling device as you, you move through production. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys have always been about, you know, not only story, but characters. I mean, characters are key. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm going into this one expecting. I'm like, I expect really good character work. And now yeah. I'm also going to be watching the deep background for all the little fun things. We <laughs> <laughs> have just under nine minutes left before this cuts okay. us off. So why don't we talk about characters and about some of the themes? Like I was thinking, even as I read the synopsis and, and some of the stuff from the press kit, um, throughout history, there's been a lot of what what is a human and what makes a, like for a long time, people of color were not considered to be people mm -hmm. or gay people don't have actual love. They have a dissected, <laughs> divergent kind of thing that they call love. Um, you know, do animals experience feelings that are similar to ours? Um, so a lot of it almost touches on that too. So now we've got this completely synthetic thing, but is it? Like, can you create yeah. what is life? Can you create yeah. that or, as well? Like, are these people yeah. gods that create these sims oh. as well? It's, uh, you know, we had, when we were in the development phase of this, and we had a lot of conversations with the writer, Ryan Churchill, um, on some of this stuff. And again, even in the film, you have the simulants who like Robbie, not, not spoiling, but Robbie becomes, he's very much like a cognizant AI vessel. And then you have these Lisas that are these service androids that they have a much simpler thing. They're, they're, they don't have the same um, ability and they're capacity. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was very, Ryan very much, it was important to him to create almost this class system and, and mm. allow the metaphor of how that like it actually sort of has parallels to what's happened in the past in real life. And as we move forward, where do you put the line on consciousness? And what is allowable and what isn't allowable? Like, you know, just because you could have a Lisa who might not be conscious doing all your stuff for you, at what point does her consciousness get to a point where all of a sudden you're like, wait a sec, that's uh, exploitative or, or whatever yeah. it might be. So there's a lot of interesting themes that exist in that. And again, it's like something you could talk for, for hours and hours about. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that Even, was something I don't that was remember Ryan always the, wanted. The, uh, Sam Worthington's character, he works 
Oh, ace, A-I-C-E. Yeah. I'm like, that's ice, but with yeah. an A on the front, basically. Yes. And he's rounding up the, the non-humans, basically. Good for the He's rounding up the illegals is right what he's doing. Ryan, I'm on it. Ryan, I'm on it. So, so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I think that that theme, like you were saying, there's so much subtext and Sumi's character is really firmly believes that we can coexist. Human beings and AI can coexist. And he falls in love with AI and an AI falls in love with a human. He just really truly believes that that relationship is real and and that there is hope that it, you know we can coexist in peace and love and harmony. And what does that world look like? And especially for those people who, you know, are lonely or away or removed or have anxiety mm. You know, personal watching, real communication with human beings. Um, how do those people outreach? And maybe that's through AI, and maybe that's already happening. And who are we to say what their experiences really yeah. is happening right. in their brains? And they're creating a really beautiful relationship. Uh, all of those things are really present in the film. I mean, they're not overstated; they're just there. Yeah. And our characters believe so heavily in certain aspects of that especially seeing they're really fighting for this coexist together and you know at the end of the trailer it says love prevails and i believe as a filmmaker uh the most important thing in the world and why we're all here and the only reason we're here is to love and be loved and mostly to experience love and give love um love is all that matters it's the only thing that makes sense to me so uh I love that that that, uh, that that's in the movie, and I love that that's in the trailer. It was an it was an ad. That's an Easter egg. It was an ad afterwards, uh, but I just felt like it clarified everybody, at least everybody's motive. I think okay. every single one of those characters believes in love at the end of the day, and it was yeah. it's interesting because they each have their different version, different perspective of what love is, a different definition, and. But love, they all believe the same thing. Love prevails. And I like that. Not only does it yeah. prevail, but it also shows that it can be wonderfully diverse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Huge message. Yeah. Huge message. Love it. Four minutes left. I know. <laughs> kind of the Stupid perfect free zoom it almost feels like we're. It almost feels like we're on set. It's like we have four minutes to get this go. We're the losing shot. the light. <laughs> yeah. I'm gaining light. Yeah. Uh, I keep running away from the sun. So lucky. <laughs> that was amazing, you guys. Oh, my God. That was great. Thank you for this. I know. And thanks for doing it so early because it's like. Right. It's like middle of the day for you. Two o'clock for you guys. Like right? I already worked all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's our pleasure. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited for you guys to. To, mm -hmm. to share the film and yeah yeah we're excited about it's this exciting one. because yeah wonder came out at the, in the middle of uh covid and we never mm -hmm. got to celebrate with audiences and at the end of the day you make the film to be shared and you make the film to release it to the world and connect with your audience and connect with the press connect with the world and it was really i mean at the time you don't notice because you just make the movie and it gets released and it felt like something huge was missing in terms of like coming full circle and yeah. Tim and I always talk about it, that Wander never really got to, we never got to experience it with the audience members mm -hmm. and do the Q and A's and interact with filmmakers and interact with what our audience thinks and get that feedback and watch them in theaters, sort of be surprised at the same time. And um, 
it's just, it's such a joy to be able to be in this place again where we can enjoy cinema together and talk about movies and see you guys again and yeah uh, and for simulate to be able to have that full circle and actually make it out there april 7th across i think we're doing 40 screens this time which is really phenomenal for nice. an independent canadian cool. film and i think and it's you guys are doing a red carpet at one of them we are we're doing a red carpet on the 7th in toronto at cineplex and then we're doing a red carpet the 8th in niagara falls my hometown and then we're doing a red carpet on the 11th 10? tuesday 11. in hamilton yeah all right right on yeah so we will be around and sam worthington <laughs> is in attendance at the toronto one and robbie Amell as well okay oh, and Alicia cool. yeah flying from LA. so that would be great Whoa. very cool Damn. I'm looking at my schedule now. I'm like, can I do that? Can I do that? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we'll have we'll get you more 8, 8 p.m. screening. 8 yeah, p.m. We'll get you all the info on things because again, they've just got locked up actually pretty recently. I know it's like crazy because it's almost April, but <laughs> it's, that's it. So we'll get you all the info and then Perfect. Mm-hmm. you in person as well soon. Yeah, yeah hopefully. I mean, and I just, I would want to take a second and just say, you guys have always been so gracious, not only with your time, but not only with us, but with like everybody who comes to see films, you guys always have time for everybody. And that made me fall in love with both of you right off the bat, because you guys are just so passionate about what you do, but you share that passion. And it's just, I love watching you guys succeed because it makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. I Thank love you, the people Tim. so much. I love the humans. I love the humans. Sue, so you got married. I cried so much when you got engaged and got married. I was so, because it was over COVID. So, of course, I can't be like screaming from the sidelines. Uh, but I cried so much that you found such a beautiful relationship and love. And I was Thank so you. excited for you. Yeah. I cried too. Great. <laughs> I love it. We couldn't uh-huh. even talk about how much we love each other without crying. It's stupid. I don't want to talk about it. Right is now. what it is. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end it at that. Cut us off anytime. I love you guys. Yeah, you guys love are the best. Well, we'll make sure you get invites to the red carpet. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank guys. you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for wearing my mom's t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>